Imagine your board sets a target of 20% revenue growth in 18 months. So something will have to change with your sales team. How do you beat your target? Value Prime Solutions can help ensure your managers and reps are leveraging a sales framework that focuses on value, not price. Don't assume you have it all figured out. Don't wait until it's too late. Visit valueprimesolutions.com and let them help. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. For those that don't have the time to listen to the entire episode, please check us out at b2brevexec.com or, of course, on iTunes, where we always appreciate your reviews and your feedback. Uh, today, we have with us Daniel Miller, Director of Marketing for Benchmark Internet Group, and we're going to talk about how to use email effectively in your outreach, prospecting, marketing, things of that nature. Uh, email is a hot topic always seems to be one of the hot topics along with whether or not the phone is dead. Uh, and, and we know that outreach is critical and, and a critical component for effective prospecting, especially when creating those cadences that we talk about a lot. Uh, and so, Daniel, I want to thank you very much for the time and welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Excellent. So usually uh, what we do is we start with kind of an odd question, considering what we're going to focus on for the rest of the, of the conversation. But I like to ask our guests uh, to think back across their careers and see if there's a, a defining moment uh, in their career that maybe changed the course of their career or something that was uh, an extremely powerful learning moment and see if you, you know, explain to our, our audience what that might be and what you took away from it. So let's see, uh, I guess what is a, a defining moment that has happened to me business related? I got to say uh, it's probably understanding that nine to five doesn't exist. Um, you know, I mean, like when you get out of school and, uh, go to college and so forth, you're really being structured to how the business world is and to what to expect and reports and this and that. And I only noticed this when I got into a management position and I was told, this is your department, you can do whatever you want. And I took what I saw as the day-to-day routine in normal, in any normal office and I threw it away and I started from scratch. And not only did that allow me to work better in regards to the hours I work, how the meeting workflows work, and just our day-to-day, it allowed us to redefine not how we've been taught that we're supposed to do things, but how our company needs to work. And I think that's, I think, one of the most defining moments that I've experienced, that just because people do it a certain way doesn't mean that that's the right way that works for you, right? So try to question it and redefine it. Excellent. Excellent. So can you tell our, our audience a little bit about Benchmark and, and you know how kind of the solutions you guys provide differ from other email marketing solutions that they may find out there? Totally. Well, uh, Benchmark Email, we started about 2004. Uh, we started as kind of like the one-stop shop for your online marketing needs. Back then, I mean, we had a platform that had, of course, email marketing, but we also had video streaming services. We had SEO services. I mean, online marketing, you name it, we had it. Uh, and in 2004, people didn't really understand, like the majority of the businesses didn't really know how to market themselves online in a, in a do-it-yourself manner. <laughs> Some might say they still don't today. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the tool that stood out was the tool that everyone knew how to use for in, in such a way, which was email. Uh, so that is our bread and butter today. We are an um, international email marketing company. And, you know, 
I really like to focus on that, that we took the international step. Uh, there is no other email marketing company that has physical offices in as many countries as we do. And we saw the, you know, how email was evolving in all the other regions. And we just saw, you know, that this may, this is a step in the right direction to really globalize this. You know, when it comes down to email, if you sell online, your customer can be anywhere, right? So that's one of the main reasons that we wanted to really focus on that global sense of email marketing. Right now, I want to say our core customer is more of the practical marketer. You know, um, it's somebody that really uh, it's not looking for, you know, the ultimate edge cutting tools, but they're looking for reliable tools that simply work uh, and get the job done in a easy and I guess uh, time sensitive manner. Right. But of course, without losing the power to it. And yeah, I mean, it's been a heck of a journey. I started with the company, I want to say in about 2012, I found the job on Craigslist <laughs> when I first started. Yeah. When I first started, I was like, email marketing, what am I getting into? It was a small little office. It was about 20 of us. Uh, and I was thinking, is this a scam? Like, what, what kind of service <laughs> is this that I'm into? Email marketing? Are we just spamming people? And then I started to really understand the email marketing world. And, you know, almost eight years ago, it was only 15 of us. Now we're in 15 different countries. So it's been a heck of a drive, but I'm honored and grateful to be part of this. Well, and that, I mean, that's a testament to the success of it, right? I mean, we, we spend a lot of time uh, in our business working with customers to teach them how to use email as part of a, a multifaceted prospecting approach, right? It becomes a very critical component to that outreach, but it's important that you provide value at each step. And if, if it wasn't working, you guys wouldn't be growing like you're growing, right? So it is a testament to how effective that that is. Exactly. And, you know, We've had a lot of changes throughout the company, and this is, you know, core changes and the belief of where we want to take the company, who our core customer is, you know, and we come to find out that our core customer is really the practical marketer, which is looking for ongoing customer engagement. You know, it's somebody that's not just looking to blast out whenever they feel that a sale needs to happen, but it's something it's our core customer is somebody that wants to keep a continuous conversation with their user through email is one of their main channels, but of course, many other channels that work with email as well. And as we were prepping for this interview, you, you mentioned using uh, multiple email campaigns per month. I was wondering if you could kind of give the audience a bit of a rundown. Uh, what is a practical marketer using you know, multiple email campaigns a month? What does that look like and why is that so important? Totally. Well, to get started, you know, I, I sense that a lot of businesses have a fear of sending too many emails. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying to just, you know, blast out every day just to annoy your um, subscribers, but, you know, try to find where your limit's at. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of studies that show that people who start to email more, yes, they do tend to get a few more unsubscribes, but sales increase, engagements increase. So you're right, maybe not everybody wants to hear from you every day, but there are some people that probably do. So, you know, learning to properly segment and learning to, uh, you know, try to find where your limits are at. Meaning, if somebody subscribes, how do you, what, what strategy do you have to determine, is this a loyalty guy? Is this uh, going to be just a pass buyer? Is this just like a student that's just trying to download the free uh, <laughs> white paper? You know, so, you know, what kind of strategy do you have to kind of put these people into different segments? And then however often you need to send to those people, you can do that. So, 
when you set up different email strategies, that also helps you set a different voice. Uh, you can even have almost a different personality with each one of those segments and truly adapt to them. Well, that, that goes to personalization, right? So I, exactly. I, I like the comment about personality because I mean, I, I get a lot of email, right? Every, everybody does. And so if, it, if it's one that connects with me, that, that, that stands out, right? People talk a lot about their personal brand, right? But in email, if it's, if it's something that, that has that spark, then I'm, then I'm going to open it, right? I mean, there are definitely, I don't want to say any of the names of the companies, but there are a couple of companies that, that email me probably four times a week. And I probably open, at least three of them each week just because of that voice and that that um, value that they're providing to me yeah it's absolutely i mean it's amazing um there's a banking company i i love to share this story i i'll reference their their name because it was amazing but uh there's a banking company simple simple is a banking company that is trying to redefine how banking works right and email marketing is one of their main channels of communication. And every quarter, I think it is, or every year, they have to send out the update to their terms of use. And this is a legal banking thing. But of course, a company that's trying to redefine everything about banking, and they're set upon, you know, just how the law works and what you're supposed to do. And they still tried to make changes for it. What you would think would be a very serious, very boring update email that just says, hey, we legally have to tell you these things. <laughs> <laughs> they were able to turn it into one of their most engaging and uh, expected emails from their subscribers. Like their subscribers can't wait to get that email because it has jokes, it has a bunch of personality, but it's still informing them about the changes to the policy. And it's that type of thing that with email marketing, if you don't adapt to that, if you don't really uh, you know, set a personality to your mails, your subscribers are going to be unengaged and eventually unsubscribe. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and personality aside, are there other ways that you've seen marketers be more effective in increasing open rates? I mean, I, I mean, you have to open it to get to the personality, but are there other ways or other insights that you can share with the audience that that make uh, can make email more effective? Totally. And you know, a lot of people see email as um, kind of like a blast, and they don't really see it as part of the experience. Like. I've asked a lot of businesses and when I when I talk about their customer journey and what is the experience that their that their leads or their customers go through email marketing is is many times left out of that equation in the sense of yeah they think it's part of the journey but they think it's kind of just like a I think they underestimate the power and the strength that email marketing has I mean a really good Email has to give you the good experience from the very beginning, meaning when I receive, let's say, an email from, let's say I subscribe to Think with Google, right? First of all, I'm already saying that, okay, Google is a reputable company. It's already gained my trust somewhat, right? I subscribe to it. My expectations are very high. If they don't meet that expectations on the first email, my likelihood to open the next ones are going to be very low. Now, if you surpass my expectations, like if you send me this amazing email that gives me a step-by-step -step guide that I can do in one hour on how to improve my Google Analytics and you know learn this and that, now I'm going to be attentive to every single email you sent me because from the first experience, it was amazing. So don't underestimate your first impression with email marketing and don't just think, oh, I'll just create a better subject line later on because already your expectations of them even wanting to 
see your email has lowered if you don't impress them for that first email. Without, yeah, without a doubt. And so part of the being able to provide that experience becomes down to you know segmentation and putting together your list. Now, as a sales rep and the sales reps in our audience, I know a lot of them have to go out and put together their own lists, um, you know, feed them into whatever their system of action may be, email or whatever. Uh, I'm curious, do you have any best practices you could share with that targeting and that segmentation uh, so that, that people can be more effective when they're out reaching out via email? Yeah, uh, when it comes to segmentation, you know, I like to say, okay, so when somebody uh, has a sign-up form, and, you know, I see sign-up forms that are like 12 pages long, and they start asking for my age, gender, Social Security. I mean, they start asking for a lot of stuff, right? Uh, that's not exaggerated too much. But really, think to yourself, uh, you know, what are the mini wins that you can have there? And, then of course, you have a million different uh, segmenting options that you want to do. But, you know, how can you achieve those things with mini wins and learning and having it be a conversation instead of just like automated transaction, if that makes sense. So I like to give the example of, let's say, a bookstore, right? Let's say I own a bookstore. I have a sign-up form. I could ask a million things, right? Like how often do you read? What type of books do, do you like? Uh, genres, like all these things, right? But I just want to ask first name and email, and I'll let my email communication do the rest. Strategically creating your emails you can identify based on, you know, behavior clicking, what type of person your subscriber may be. Now, this doesn't happen overnight or it doesn't happen by accident. You really have to strategically create your emails by saying, okay, I'm going to send out a series of nonfiction and let's see who opens and clicks on these. And then you can start dividing up your buckets with your subscribers telling you as the emails are being received. I don't know if, if um, that makes sense, but um, you know it, it's something that I see a lot of businesses miss, and they just try to put everything in one funnel and just you know hope to best that it's just going to work out. And segmenting, like you said, is one of the most important things that you can do. From segmenting from where the sign up came from, whether it was a Facebook sign up or it was from your blog or from a trade show all the way to listening to the subscribers and what they're opening and what they're clicking on and continuously segmenting from there. Yeah, it's an ongoing process, right? And I think I think you're right. I think if you think of the email and that collection or the build out of that that persona, right, that, that person, you're not going to get it all at once, right? They're not going to spend the time to give you all of that information. But if you structure your, your sales process, your marketing process to, you know, provide them value at each step in exchange for more information, you, you are able then to, over time, uh, without a doubt, start to be able to understand them better, what resonates, what's going to, you know, help them open more emails and, and engage and ultimately buy. And it's trust, you know, I mean, email marketing, I think the biggest thing it can do is build trust. You know, I've um, signed up to receive white papers and manuals and all these things from all these different services. And it's very interesting to see the successful email drips that come through after I download that. I see some that try to do the sell right away and those lose me immediately. I right. say, you know what, this is, I, I don't want to be sold. No one likes to be sold. But if you start emailing me with success stories and how to's and added value to the manual I just downloaded and this and that. Now I trust you as a leading source. And then after, you know, those 10, maybe 15 emails of building trust, now you can maybe try to approach that sale or I may come straight to you and say, hey, you've taught me all these things. I want to buy from you. 
can I sign up to your course, to your service, to your product, whatever that is. Excellent. And so when we look at the email tools that are out there, they are kind of the new, I don't know if it's new, but the one I'm hearing a lot about are, are the automation, right? The automation engines for email. So I can create a sequence and I can, it's more of a one-to-one -one connection, not more of a, of a blast, but I can put together a sequence. I can email, you know, five emails over the next 10 days. Uh, I'm kind of curious your take on that, that level of automation uh, from a one-to-one -one marketing or sales standpoint. You know, it's funny uh, when it comes to automation, I like to say that all of our competitors, including us, we are getting our PhD in automation because there is no right way to do it. This is uncharted territory. Yes, automation has been around, but it's been around for really, you know, the larger companies that could afford it, that could afford the programming integration with all of their apps and setting all that up. Now, everything is plug and play. And, you know, Betty with a cupcake shop, down the store can sign up to Squarespace, Shopify, and Benchmark and integrate it all and create a pretty sophisticated automated email drip. Now, the funny part about that is Betty doesn't have a marketing degree. She doesn't, you know, she, she, she knows how to make cupcakes and that's what she's in business for. So, you know, I think all of us, all of us, the email marketing providers, we're finding out how, what is the best way to really educate and onboard people to have them understand the power of automation and how to adapt that to their um, business. And it's incredible. I mean, a good automation is something that really saves you time. It sets a standard that later on you can improve upon. And most important, I think it should never take away from the customer experience. Uh, too many times I see a business that just automates way too soon, meaning before they understand a good proven process that works they just you know they draft it out they say let's go for it they automate it and it really ruins the customer experience and to me that's a step back yeah, i can understand that i can understand that. so excellent insights on that let's change focus a little bit here and talk about benchmark you guys have a great product and you mentioned the support in multiple languages extremely impressed that you have the offices in all those places because i think cultural context is, is a critical component for that as well but when you look at benchmark today what's the top business challenge for you and your team uh, i want to say the top business challenge is nine languages <laughs> i mean it's our, it's our strong suit but it is probably our biggest challenge. I mean, talk about any change we want to do to the website, uh, even changing, you know, a small little bit of wording in an email, uh, whether it's a system email, it's an auto responder. When you have to do that change and then look at nine different countries and really nine different regions with different marketing strategies and sales strategies, you got to look at things from with, you know, when you change one word. Does it fit in all word in all regions that same word? Like, you know, when you're building a website and you only have so much space in English, putting you know email marketing best software yada 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 may fit, but when you translate that to German, it's like 26 characters longer and it doesn't fit. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's things like that. Um, understanding the sales and marketing strategy that also works for each region and learning, you know, how to drive the ship forward and, you know, having the flexibility in each region to do what they need to do to keep the momentum uh, of the ship. I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges. And then from a growth standpoint, are you guys still experiencing pretty significant growth? Is it is it North American based or coming out of a different geo? 
Yeah, so some of the emerging markets right now are uh, Japan, Latin America, Brazil specifically. Uh, you know, it's very interesting to see, you know, each part of the world, how email marketing is different. China is, you know, they love templates. They love, you know, a lot of color, a lot of graphic, a lot of visual. Japan does not like any of that. They don't want images. They just want simple text. Latin America is, is pretty close to us uh, in regards to the design and the type of email marketing but they're still on the learning curve of best practices. So yeah, it's very, very interesting to see, you know, how still in a, in a connected world through the internet, how different the marketing strategies are. Interesting. So how do you, with all of those changes, uh, you know, and as an email provider, email social provider, you guys have to stay, I mean, right on the, right on the cutting edge. So how do you keep your, you know, your sales and marketing teams focused, you know, to drive, you know, benchmark or growth and then the differentiation in the product. How do you keep them engaged and, and inspired? Collaboration is our biggest way to really do that. Uh, and this is something that we're really starting to really understand now. Um, again, part of the issue of having nine different languages and not just languages here, but in their actual country is keeping that ongoing communication. Uh, you know, when we have a closed meeting here on a whiteboard and we're drawing on things, the marketing team in China doesn't get to see that, uh, doesn't hear that full story. So the more we can collaborate, the more often we can meet, uh, and the more often we can really look for what we call the employee genius, you know, that oftentimes gets buried. When you have layers of management, the people that are on the front of the line rarely get to, you know, talk to the people making the decisions on strategy, what the customer is saying. So we try to keep a flat organization and really try to shine light on anything we possibly can and work as a team to solve our problems. Excellent. Excellent. So let's change direction a little bit. Um, we're getting towards the end here. We'd like to ask, I guess, kind of two standard questions toward the end of each interview. The first is simply, you know, as a director of marketing for a company like Benchmark, that makes you, uh, I like to use the word prospect. Some would say a target for salespeople. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, the fact of the matter is you're somebody that salespeople want to get in front of and cultivate a relationship with. Uh, I'm kind of curious, what gets your attention when someone's trying to reach out to you? And what is it that really, you know, catches your eye and makes you want to engage? Yeah, this may sound cliche, but people who are themselves, I mean, you can smell an imposter a mile away uh, from how the email. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see these, if these emails written out with all this jargon and you're thinking, do you really talk like that? I don't think anyone talks like that. So, you know, if I receive an email that it looks like it was written by a, an actual person, not just, you know, a script strategy, that's going to catch my eye. Um, aside from that persistence, persistence will really catch my eye. There's a lot of times that I'll see an email come in and I'll take a look at it. I say, you know what? If it's important, it'll come back around again. And that person that comes back and is persistent, I'll eventually schedule that call with them to say, okay, what do you got? Show me this demo. I've seen your infographs. You, you know, they, they contact me on LinkedIn. They find me on Twitter. They retweet something. You know, really, somebody who tries to get involved and it's not just looking for that quick sell, but they're really trying to explore a solution with you, not trying to just tell you, here's the solution because if somebody comes to me and says, I know how to fix your problem, that's telling me this is a script. They know nothing about us. 
But if they come up and say, hey, I would love to learn what kind of problems you you have, and they do that in a 360 way with persistence, that's going to get my full attention. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, authenticity is always a big one for a lot of our guests. And it's good to hear that the persistence, you know, pays off. It takes, I forget what the latest stats are, but it does take a considerable amount of time and focus to ensure you're getting, getting people's attention. Yeah. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. So if there's one thing you can tell sales and marketing professionals, uh, one piece of advice that you think would help them beat their targets and be better at their profession, what would it be and why? Uh, I got to say data. Data is everything. Talking about what we were saying earlier, like what, what's been an epiphany for me throughout life. Number two from saying, you know, nine to five does not exist. Figure out what works for you. Number two is really data. As in, you know, this day and age, if you're not using data to leverage your business, you are literally shooting in the dark every single time. And with the tools we have at hand, it is so, I mean, so easy to really pull out the data and it's going to show you, it's going to pinpoint immediately what are the issues throughout your organization. And if you can't find that, then I think you're doing it totally backwards and you should always figure out any, any business structure you try to build, whether it's an easy marketing strategy or, you know, it's internal uh, system on your company, learn to quantify it, learn to improve it with data. Cause again, your competitors are out there. If you don't do it, they're going to do it, and then you're just going to end up right behind them. Yeah, with all the tools that are out there today, if you're not able to dig up the data, you're not looking very hard. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, everyone. Well, that does it for this episode. Uh, please, again, check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. Spread the love, and please write us a review on iTunes. Daniel, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Awesome. You know what? It's been great for myself as well. Thank you very much for uh, having me, Chad. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Again, thanks everyone for listening and to Daniel for these valuable insights. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you and your team nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.